everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes. Make sure the levels fall from low. I got the girls shining oh so bright. Power Athlete Nation, we have answered the call, literally. John, Actually, how are you? we didn't answer it. No, well, somebody left us a message. Well, the voicemail answered. Yeah, yeah, so we if you guys didn't know, we have a phone number set up. That's right, the hotline. With a hotline where you can leave messages, and periodically, followers of Power Athlete programs, part of the Power Athlete Nation, leaves us voice messages. That's right, and t- we are dedicating a whole series of podcasts uh, to answer your questions. These, you, these took, took form in for, Q&A sessions through social media, but no, we want to hear from you. The number to the hotline is 929-ING-ING-0. That's 929-464-464-0. I'm wearing my ING-ING-ING shirt. He said it. No. Callie, sound, get, <laughs> grab those sound bites. We finally got him to say it. I'm just I'm telling <laughs> like you what's it. on the shirt. Yeah, it says I like it. ING. Yeah, it's the... <laughs> <laughs> it I, is the official Power Athlete Radio. Shirt. Has Ingo said anything about? He has not said anything. But now look, being what you've our phone done. number, <laughs> uh, it's I N G zero, not O. Ingo. Uh, it'll probably be something because I mean he does love Nickelback. I don't know who Ingo likes more, Nickelback or Adam Campbell. Mm. These are all great questions. But ladies and gentlemen, we're excited to that won't be answered today. We're excited to bring you a question today from Mister. He calls himself Fig Newton uh, and has a question for John and I guess the crew. So we're going to go ahead and play that message. Does he have a jelly center? Is he, made, is he composed of jelly on the inside? It's more of a jam. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? No. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. It's got seeds in it. Hey, Power Athlete Radio. This is Fig Newton coming at you. I have a question for John and the crew. Oh, and uh, Big Monkey sent me. He, he told me to say that. So this is regarding John's 20-inch arm program. I recently followed it, and it changed my life and my arms for the better. Um, let's see. I didn't quite get 20-inch arms, but that might just be a genetic factor. Maybe maybe I haven't peaked yet. I'm, I'm always holding out hope on that. So my question is, what was the inspiration for the 20-inch arm program? Was it just a trip down memory lane for John? Or does he see a certain lack of arm girth that he finds disturbing in the NFL general population or former interns? And then secondly, what is the crew and John's top three arm exercises for either a program like this or alternatively just to throw in at the end of random training days or in a more structured approach. Bye. So there we got it. So John, when or John or Tex, question for the crew. When did the when did we drop this article? Beginning of June. So in the beginning of June, the big guy wrote up uh, an article that gave like a daily breakdown of sh- arm shit you could do every day to blast your arms. Yep. Under the guise of getting twenty inch arms in five weeks. Yep. 
but what was the what was the the uh, caveat for those for the, so it to work as advertised you uh, got to start with 19 inch arms yeah <laughs> it helps to start with 19 inch arms it also helps to you know be 300 pounds uh but where it came from was uh i think it was after my first year when i was going into my second year um i was knew that if i was going to go out there on the field i wanted to look the part and something that kind of uh, you know i don't know like motivated me i would say to look that way was um i think i told you guys when i came in as a rookie and i started i ended up getting hurt which i'm sure you guys have heard me tell fucking ad nauseum but uh, they made me watch a lot of film, and I remember one time asking my offensive line coach Juan, like, "Hey, do you have any film of some dudes that aren't six eight, like three hundred fifty pound black dudes? Like Trey Thomas is fucking huge, and like the guys he was showing me, like didn't look like a six foot five, six foot six, three hundred pound white dude. I'm like, do you have a technique or in people that I can watch that are more similar to me? So he gave me film on like Tunch Jilkin. I think I had. Um, uh, Gary Zimmerman, uh, like uh, there was just a bunch of guys that like uh, Jumbo Elliott was in there. Uh, I'm thinking of like a, a four or five other dudes and um, uh, Jim Lachey. Uh, so all these guys that I was watching were like, you know, kind of similar to me. So I was watching vertical sets. The one thing that was universally true about every one of those dudes is that they were all pretty, st- all pretty thick. And I remember seeing like Steve Wisniewski who played guard for the Raiders and watching film on him. Wiz was like fucking had like these massive arms and these massive triceps. And uh, I remember thinking like, man, if, uh, if the NFL is going in this direction of these like, you know, six foot eight, 350 pound black dudes that are just like monsters and I'm kind of fit within more like that 80s, 90s role, I better look the part like those guys used to look. And so um, I had a set of dumbbells that I just kept at the house and I would just bang out like, you know, three sets of each exercise, somewhere between eight and 12 reps. And I would just periodically, just every time I was, you know, downstairs in the kitchen, I would bang them out and I, you know, whatever, and I'd come back, I'd go train. And if I was bored before I go out, I'd do that. And I figured, you know, like maybe your arms are kind of like your calves a little bit where, you know, there might be some slow twitch muscle fibers and maybe they just need volume. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that like certain parts of the body, I think respond to volume. Some things respond better to intensity. Like um, I think, uh, you know, for your legs, you can squat every single day, but you can't bench heavy every day, mm-hmm. you know, pull heavy once or twice a week at most, maybe once a week. Uh, but what I found with the arms was that uh, the more I trained them, the bigger they got. So then I went back that next year and all of a sudden, like, you know, I'm getting these, you know, like they would uh, take pictures and they would send us these different, like, you know, uh, pictures in our lockers. And every one was like, I had a pretty serious bicep vein, pretty good triceps. So much so that um, uh, I think it was Tex was down in Tampa years later and you ran into. No, it was me and Luke um, uh, Pettigue. Yeah, Luke Pettigue down in Tampa. What's the question? He's like, well, almost got that bicep vein. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like that guy with his bicep vein in those sleeves. Everybody wanted that bicep vein. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, oh God. so like I used to, uh, when they would come in and tailor our jerseys, I was like, I need you to, so I actually ended up cutting my shoulder pads and moving my shoulder pad up so that I can get a little more arm in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get down in my stance, I want to look the part. And, uh, you know, it also helped to, you know, have a 500 plus pound bench and all these things. So it just came from just wanting to, aesthetically looked the part yeah. and then it was funny because i we used to watch guys come out and we watch film and these you know these younger kids came out and they looked like they had spaghetti arms so they just had like these tube arms with no muscles and i used to always tell the young guys i'd be like ah, why don't you get some triceps I mean, it's like a horseshoe kicked me on the back and i <laughs> kind of just brush it and go like this and uh, get that and um uh, you know there's there's a pretty interesting thing um and i'm sure there's a psychology piece to this but um 
uh, people that are, you know, like it, it let me see how I, how I phrase this. Um, I think there's a psychology for people that carry a lot of muscle that are bigger. Like uh, I've noticed that like at certain points in my life when, you know, when I was real big, like, you know, 300 plus pounds, like people would like see me and they would just like get out of my way. Like there was some imaginary force field. But I just always noticed that people tend to treat you a little bit different when, you know, when you're leaner, when you're bigger and you're more muscular. Uh, my wife's a classic example. She's like, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that like, because Kate's pretty jacked. Uh, last summer when she was like, you know, like 8% body fat, she's like, people would stop her at the store and ask her questions about training. Like, I, I remember we went on, uh, uh, like on, on a bus for one of her friend's birthdays and like, I'm sitting there and like, this is what we do for a living. And everybody on the bus was fucking hounding her for nutrition and training advice. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty interesting. Uh, I asked her and she's like, it's crazy. People stop me at the store and talk to me about this stuff all the time. And I think it's just, uh, um, there's an intimidation factor. People, for some reason, it's, it's uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing. People want to be more connected. So I purely did it because uh, I knew I was going to be undersized. I mean, these dudes are way bigger than me. And uh, I w I'd been watching all these guys from the 80s and 90s, you know, other white dudes. And I figure I had, uh, you know, if I was going to, you know, play like them, I had to at least live up to their sta standard. And it was funny when I was at Tony's Hall of Fame deal, I ran into a couple guys that were older than me. And um, as we started talking, they were like, man, you always look jacked out there. Like, and they even said it. And I was like, thanks. That actually makes me feel good. Like other people were noticing. And so just purely for an aesthetics just wanted to look the part and be an intimidating dude. But so there's an example of a dude who clear spent. I mean, a podcast we just had with Kaz uh, credited John for being, you know, a hard worker in the gym and actually using that for a vessel for performance. So I guess to say, like, you knew that you appreciated that we preach that all the time, and I think that we weigh heavy in on that. The reality is, people who are probably investing in home gyms or gym memberships, e coaching and programming like ours. There, it would be a lie to say that vanity is not on the, the list of reasons they're, they're training. They want to look healthy and be healthy. Like, Well, we had the 18-year-old young Aiden come in, and his training goal was nothing but just want to get chicks. Yeah, and a way to do that is to, like, like there's m many ways to, get, to look like you're in shape. Why not choose a, a method that also turns you into a high-performing individual sure. as well. That's kind of where my head's at. Regardless, it's going to take a few hours a week. You're well, going to have but, to uh, invest a few hours a week in the gym. Why but, not do things that make you stronger and more useful? Well, the um, and you look the part. There's there's definitely a um, there's definitely a, a difference between people that like look muscular and people that like look like useful muscular. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you know, and I used to see dudes all the time in the gym that were big, but they just didn't look very useful. And the one thing that was interesting about like football players and the guys that I was around was like, you know, not only were they big and strong and, you know, uh, um, you know, pretty lean in the whole deal for the most part, uh, but they were all very useful, dangerous individuals. And I think that there's something appealing that, you know, Aiden was an interesting uh, deal because I remember the first time I walked into the weight room and I remember the first day lifting weights, like that little bit of shame and then realizing like, I'm going to fucking stay. I'm like, I'm going to do this until they tell me to not. Like uh, Aiden came in and lifted weights and was like, okay, I'm leaving. And then like he like he didn't get bit by the bug. And I was like watching him and I was like, man, like if that kid had been like, what can I train twice? Like, what else do you have? Like, I don't want to leave. Like, can I train my whole like like I was always asking what extra I could do. Could I come more? Like I uh, I took zero period in high school, so I wouldn't have a fifth period, so I could lift weights at lunch and fifth period, and then we would lift weights at sixth period for football, and then we would leave and go to the gym again. 
Now we were obsessive and crazy and all that, but like that's kind of the type of mentality that I want to see in like a 16 or 17 year old kid right. who, you know, well, let's come in three days a week and do some stuff. I'm like, dude, you got to, you got to go like to the point of like ridiculous to try to get, you know, and, and that age is the age that you can do it. Now we don't recommend that there's a smarter way to do it, but I think what we offer is like a minimal effective dose. Whereas I was hoping he was going to be like, can I train twice a day? Yeah. Let's rip the head off a line. Yeah. Like, 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 let's do it. I mean, because at that age, I mean, I remember going in and like lifting weights and being like, man, I totally got bigger that day. And like waking up the next day and being like, wow, I put on three pounds and I'm bigger than I was yesterday. Like that, that'll never happen in your sure. life other than that moment. Yeah. In time. 16 to 18. Oh, it's fucking great. So John, why? So then I guess in terms of writing the article, obviously get some good content out. It was fun. We were talking about arms that day and you're like, I'm going to write up this program. But uh, were you expecting the reaction that we got from a lot of the readers and subscribers and stuff to uh, like jump on it? And just, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we, we do a lot of really jiggy programming. And when I think when we push out free stuff, uh, people jump on and they really like it. Um, you can as you can see in that picture, if you go up a little bit, like that tricep and that whole deal, like that's what I wanted. I wanted to see a little shoulder cap and I had him tailor up my jersey just to show it. Um, yeah, I, I like... I think with anything, and you guys know this, like, hey, like, we write stuff, it's really good. Sometimes things hit. Like, like I wrote that 42 things I had learned up until that point, and, like, that went viral. Like, I didn't expect that to go viral. It just was me sitting down and putting some reflections together. So I think uh, it, it's, a, it's a good searchable term because, I mean, who wouldn't want 20-inch arms? That's I mean, Hulk point. Hogan was talking about, you know, 20-inch arms, 20-inch pythons. And text to you, uh, article you wrote years ago about, like, getting buy-in. Everybody oh, wants, yeah, every, every, listen, if you're lifting weights, you want bigger arms and you're a dude. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Well, I'm, I'm looking at these suckers, little flap. I mean, we got to get this these is, tailored in. This is two X. This is two X. <laughs> I mean, two X. Look at Texas wearing a small. Look at Taziki arms over here. He's just over there. Packing. Texas wearing a small. Listen, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, John, my, I got kicked in the tricep by fish, that little horse. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that little horse. I, uh, I told Kate, if we, if we were going to be, if they were giving away horses, I would take fish, but oh, I would, yeah, uh, yeah, Kelly rode him this morning for her for lesson. Her, yeah. So uh, uh, I told her, I'm like, we could keep him like a dog. We could, like, he, 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 he and Vinny could hang out. Fish is my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> dude, dude, uh, dude, did I tell you that the, the, the bigger female horses are super mean to him? And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. So the other day, they were over there like hiding like underneath the oak tree. He went over and he bit Barbie right on the ass. And she like That's my out. move. And what did he do? He went hopping away. And I was like, dude, fish rocks. So for the listeners, Power Athlete Ranch is on a 16-acre, a essentially, horse ranch, right? Is yeah. kind of how the house was built. And your neighbors run a riding school. So they the horses come and graze on yeah. the pastures out here. Yeah, we so turn every the morning, horses out yeah, in our pastures. Yeah, every morning, we uh, Tex and I walk down to to a bunch of horseplay, huh? It's huh? good, and the horses are there too. Well, what's huh? funny is, um, uh, ah. at like I get it. at like six in the morning. So at uh, just before they open the gate and they let them come in, and it's hilarious because they it's like uh, NFL players running out of the tunnel, right? So right. like one will run as fast as it can to get down to the end and stop, and then the other one runs as fast. Like they all get their opportunity <laughs> to come running out of the tunnel. Is any horse do the Ray, Ray Lewis. Lewis dance? I no. knew you were going there. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I think, <laughs> but it, it's it's just it's really funny that uh, the bigger female horses are super mean to the little boy horses, and I I, I asked Paul Carter about it, and he's like, it's true. He's like, uh, even short women don't like short dudes, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, that's why you got to find big 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 horses. 
So that's the secret. It is. You just need to look for women over six feet. I agree. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm going to shoot up. The odds of my wife listening are low. My one regret is not marrying like a real big woman. Because our baby is just so small and has no chance. But it's a girl. Yeah. Which is totally cute. But you want to have ogre women <laughs> as no. daughters, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no offense to the ogre no. women out there. I'm a, I cherish you all. Uh, I remember uh, um, George saying this. this is, I hope Ashley This is really this. awful. But uh, <laughs> George's um, uh, daughters weren't the most attractive of girls. And I remember one time we went out to dinner and he was like, yeah, it's kind of awkward, you know, that uh, I was kind of hoping I would have to, you know, like have a bunch of conversations with boys and dating and all that. And he's like... Hasn't really happened in our household yet. And I was just like, a couple bruisers out there. Yeah, I was like, they just, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was a funny realization. Did they have twenty-inch arms? No, they uh, didn't. They didn't like lifting oh, weights, and they weren't very attractive. So back, but. I guess, back to the arm article to break it out for anyone who hasn't read it. John, you you have essentially like, hey, reserve three days a week, yeah, and then throughout the day, hit four or five fifteen-minute blocks of like yep. of of sets of eight. So the the concept is just kind of get space that stimulus out throughout the day make it convenient and accessible and just blast your arms and yeah there's really I, I no way to do it wrong the only way yeah. to do it wrong is not do it i i used to like so the downstairs in my house um like i lived in a condo so like the uh, garage was on the bottom and then like the, the the kitchen and the main room were on the middle and then my bedroom was on the third floor and i kept the dumbbells by like like right where the kitchen and the family room were all one um just kept them right down every time i came down or came up and i was like mm, get some curls in yeah I was blast bang. it yeah so how heavy were the dumbbells? Uh, I think I started with like 35s or 40s, and then uh-huh. I got up to like 50s or 55s. Yeah. You did tell me a story What you had a, a date over to the home, and you had these dumbbells. <laughs> and at, on your way out the door, you're like, hold on. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's and her name was Kate Shellcross, and now they're married. <laughs> no. There was actually another story where I told the girl when we got home, hold on, I got to... I got to get my sets in. Ah, uh-huh. Just go brush your teeth. I'll be up in a second. Must have been 7.30 p.m. after Rudy's <laughs> late night for the peninsula. This was uh, in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. whole different world. Ah, God damn it. Tampa, Florida to this day, if those of you guys that have never been to Tampa or don't know, might be the greatest concentration of pretty girls I've ever seen in my life is in Tampa, Florida. Did you feel like that when you were there, Tex? Uh, I can agree. There's also this different level. There's a whole different kind of white trash in Tampa as well. <laughs> oh. The Florida man. I know I've talked about that on the oh, podcast it's, before. It's, oh, yeah. uh, I can't find that like, documentary. Te- there's Texas redneck. There's Texas white trash. And you go to Tampa, and that was a whole different world well, for I me. Got, I got like a multi-year running joke with my buddies, probably a decade, where like it's screenshots of Florida man is like the headline, <laughs> yeah. and then like, or Florida woman, and then like just the most bizarre and bonkers stuff. You know, Florida man shoots husband... Or Florida, Florida man shoots wife over throwing away half-eaten taco. <laughs> you know? It happens. I love it. Dude, uh, but like the amount of, I remember like moving to Tampa and we went out and um, I remember going to this place and like walking in and like, I was like, Jesus, every girl in here. I mean, but the problem though is I'd been in Philly, which, <laughs> you know, so I was voted one Corn of Philly. I, I, was, I was voted one of Philly's like 20 best looking people, mm-hmm. which is Kind of a low barometer. I'm like, I probably wasn't the 20 Beth looking in my, you know, English class in high school. But uh, in Philly, I was, it went down to Tampa and was like, man. Top man. notch. Yeah, it was top We got to go to Philly. We got to move to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Philly is, um, uh, was better towards the end of my career when I moved. Like they, uh, 
they, there was a lot of really interesting kind of gentrification and they put a bunch of bars in and some it's a cool place but like when i first moved there it was straight up fucking gotham city Ooh. trying to think like when the phillies were good i think successful sports teams bring out the best in cities yeah and good looking fans mm. Mm. so let's move on to the second part of the question so like okay. the, and john we've said this on the podcast like if you're Listen, and listener, if you're following a program and you're looking for permission to do arm work, like you, your permission yeah. granted, you have license to do as much arm work as you want. You're really looking at a low risk. So Tex, as, a, as like a purist in terms of following a program, what is the risk of throwing in like just bl- an arm blast at the end of a training session? M- minimal, almost right. assumed. And this is another observation <laughs> to where Aiden didn't do any extra arm work. Uh-huh. So, like, the, uh-huh. at, at Georgetown, where I, when I wrote that aesthetics article, that was the thing. I'm not programming bicep. Why? Because I don't have to. Ten minutes, they're staying after. But he, uh, that was the one, and even TC and some of the other interns that we've had, like uh, Luke K, um, you know, Luke K just kept uh, putting his jeans in the dryer to make them tighter and tighter <laughs> instead of trying to get bigger legs. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> do you remember how tight his pants were? Yeah. I, I remember one time being like, I'm kind of uncomfortable. Well, that's because he's a swimmer. So it's he was, Fran Denham. He was top. They're so, it's like I'm wearing nothing at all. Top heavy like a sail. And then he squatted <laughs> for the first time with us. And then his legs his pants blew out. <laughs> uh, but the, the one thing, like, I, I remember, uh, like, going to the gym and, like, us doing, the, like, the training, whatever. And, like, we would, you know, like, I, I just remember, like, seeing dudes over there with big arms that were jacked. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever they do. And, like, I figured just do it every day. And, like, I didn't need somebody's, perm- like... What I needed was somebody to be like, you're a fucking idiot. Stop doing this. Like, like, because we just were like, well, can, if, uh, if one training session's good, then three would be good. And like, nobody was there to really direct us. And so what I kind of looked for and what I was looking for were those, even those kids, like shit, like, you know, the gym's up there. You're here. Been like, I'm going to go up and get some curls. I'm going to go up and get some calves. I might go ride the assault, you know, like just train endlessly. Yeah. But you can turn it into an incentive is what yeah. the the article is mainly about i knew they were doing it so then you just put up a I w- for lack of a better term a barrier or or it becomes your reward for all the stuff that sucks yeah. dead bugs suck there's a lot of other things that suck yeah so you put it at, at the as the carrot at the end of the training stick mm-hmm. and presents an opportunity to then get them to do the things that they're already going to do but then eventually once they do get good at those Mm-hmm. limitations limiting factors movements all of the iron flex esque things then that's when the magic really happens with an athlete but mm-hmm. so john what's your what, what's your go-to arm work so what i really like uh the three movements i really dig is i go usually from um a double arm hammer curl uh-huh. to alternating bicep curl so hammer like this and then alternating and then what i like to do is i like to sit down and kind of lean back yeah. and get an like an inclined bicep. Yeah. So what I used to do is uh, I would like tilt the chair back and like tilt it up against the wall. Hopefully I had a little stomper so it didn't yeah. slip out. And I would lean back and I'd get a really good stretch this way. And then I would come up and I would just hammer those for as many as I can. So I'd usually hit like uh, somewhere between 8 and 12 on the others. But then the last set, which was always like I'd go from hammer to alternating to those incline. Uh, and that way I could get a really good stretch. And what I would try to do is I try to bring it up, roll this, and then come down nice and slow on the eccentric and just get a ton of pump in that bicep. So I think that movement, um, 
for that incline really helps with that bicep. I also think the rotation is really good for yeah. not only like the shoulder and the calf yeah. and the delt, but then also the hammer curl, which is really what you want when you want to have a thick forearm. So that was kind of my go-to. I, I never attempted the the incline bicep curl, oh, that's but that my, extra yeah. range of motion, is that what you're going to go with? So that's my, but go with it. Yeah. Okay. So just to, to note, I never heard of that until you asked me to film it, and I'm like, oh, holy shit, I'm sore from demo. Yeah. But the... My go-to would be combining where John just added the rotation. So it's an, an isometric hold with the bicep, but then you're adding in a radial ulnar rotation. And we put it on time for 30 seconds, and you essentially fatigue that, and then you do the, the athlete incentivized curl. Beautiful exercise for lacrosse swimming in which your radial ulnar rotation is incredibly important. So I like it for the transfer from that, but then... <sighs> Talk about boring bicep work. But you incentivize boring bicep work with the then the, the Arnold's following that. So it's 30 on of radial ulnar rotation into 30 Text, Arnold you're presses. On, yeah, you're on brand, baby. Like, you never cease to amaze me at how consistent you're, you're trying to empower people. Trying? You mean, I just am empowering. You mean uh, <laughs> uh, eye contact missionary? Uh-huh. I mean, which I'm a fan of. No, you like, I didn't even consider that in this answer. Mine is purely vanity. I'm with you on, so I've been doing incline curls for a long time, but then I'm a big, big easy curl guy, close grip and wide grip. Like the wide grip for me, I can never get a lot out of the hammer curls. Like I can do it and they feel heavy and hard, but I don't feel that pump. So I'm going to go with incline. Doesn't mean they're not working listeners. I know. I know. Listeners don't listen to me. Listen. (laughs) But uh, the, the, in terms of like feeling, like feeling, I'm like I'm torching my biceps. Easy curl always, like just that clocking of that wrist, would always like it would get the job done. I, both um, close and wide. I uh, the curls I never had issues with. Um, I, ironically, so I, I, did I tell you I've been loading push-ups. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so like uh, for my rehab, I was like uh, I came back and I was just doing like I tried to get like 30 push-ups and I went to 40. And then, you know, 50, and then I got to 100, and then I started doing, like, uh, four sets of 50 at a time. And so I was trying to load it, and I got to, like, I did, um, I did four sets of 50 the other day, and my elbow is so sore. I went and saw Dr. Bob today, and he's like, he's like ooh, you uh, I got a little tendonitis or a little hyper, and I was like... He's like, were you snapping your elbows out the top? I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want to do a fucking half push-up. Uh-huh. And he's like, dude, don't snap them out at the top. So if you're going to do that many push-ups, don't like, work on really extending. But um, I was laughing because people were like, well, can I throw push-ups in? I'm like, uh, just stick with the curls because push-ups can kind of sometimes get you a little bit. So on the tricep thing, one thing Paul Carter did say in, his pod, or in our episode with his podcast, he mentioned something about like working triceps. And he's like, you know, how people don't quite understand the anatomy. And if you go, like, I guess adducted and shoulder retracted and kind of kick out this way you're going to hammer all three heads of the tricep with just one extension and i've been doing that a lot with the bands and we also include that in our third monkey that's right training program which is still going strong but it was like i'm like oh all right this sounds like bs but i'm gonna try it and then i tried it and it's like no doubt you get like you don't have to do the the rotate like rotated grips or push downs so what did he say hand out at the side so hand out at the side uh, to so that you like open up something so about the, where the lat so, crosses the so tricep. So the band by uh, to the back of your head. Yeah, okay. yeah. Or yeah. and I guess you could theoretically be laying. Yeah. And you know, kicking like doing oh. a skull crusher, lateral skull crusher that way. That's a good one. I haven't tried that. I might yet, throw though. that one in. I've, I've been doing a lot of banded pulls, uh, like a rear delt band. Yeah. Pulls. Yeah. This one across, man, that fucking hits me. So in terms of movements, I think we got it. But here's a couple techniques. I also think 
I wish I knew when I didn't, when I was a young guy trying to blast arms. Number one, like just, just heaving and cheating sets, like going really heavy, you know what I mean? Because I always used to be like, no, you're cheating. You can't like use your back to curl. I remember thinking that I wasn't allowed to do that, but the biggest dude I hung out with did do it. And I just didn't make the connection that like, yeah, get some strict sets and do like some isolated stuff. But then like if you're gonna do maybe some hammer curls or even alternating bicep curls, go up and wait and just try to curl as heavy as you can. We used to do uh, straight barbell curls and uh, my trick was uh, 225 for a set of 10. Jesus uh-huh. Christ. So so, so pe- <laughs> people would go over and like, you know, like they'd be like uh, doing deadlifts or, you know, something like, um, mm-hmm. and I go over and I'm like, hey, can I borrow, can I work here for a second? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. And then you just pick it up and you curl their 225 or on a bench press. Uh-huh. People are over there straining. You go over and you're like, hey, can I jump in? Yeah, sure. Then you like rip it out. No, I've like, seen them do it. Yeah. And uh, we did, you did an old, uh, old power athlete. And I'm like, fucking you're kipping so i go grab it and like can't even can't even crack can't even crack my elbow even with whatever i was trying to do but like um yeah the two the 225 straight bar curl is always fucking pretty impressive but the way i look at it that way is like okay so you're you're getting some isolation work and you are blasting your arms because you're gonna like you're gonna go to failure if you're gonna do that right you're like not doing a three but then you're also working like you're just getting more work in what it's a true eccentric. Yeah. You're yeah. trying. You're damned just to hold it yeah. at the top. It ain't yeah. happening. So it's getting ripped. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wish I knew that, obviously, uh, or not obviously, but the next obvious one I wish I knew after finding out is BFR. Like B- oh, yeah, BFR yeah, yeah, yeah. arms. And so one of my favorite workouts with uh, Nate Dog at Old Power Athlete when we were just getting into the BFR stuff, he's like, let's do curl everything. Like, what's curl everything? He's like, strap up and do, d- don't stop curling. So we were like curling kettlebells, benches, like just the chains, like just grab everything and just do curls for 20 minutes under BFR, curl everything. And we like laying, laying down on the ground, banded curls or something, just the most ridiculous shit. It was a blast. Yeah, an arm blast. Cannonballs. So asked and answered? I feel. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one last one, Kadaya Killers. Ah, Kadaya Killers. Mm-hmm. But I the need- angles in which, like, mm-hmm. I, I guess they would be some internal BFR. So certain cutoffs when you're bringing it past. Man, those are... So the thing I liked about the Kadaya Killers, and, like, uh, that was fucking one of Roth's staples. That was, like, a, when new dudes showed up, there was always a couple things. We always do them. Like, he'd kind of do them, like, standing, kneeling. we do them from a lunge. you do all these different positions. Uh, but I just remember, like, um, like, Roth, I know these are awful. But, like, is there a, a practical reason? He's like, we do so much of this. Mm-hmm. When do you ever think about, like, snapping out the extensors? And uh, he's like, I think if you can snap out, you know, and it work to extend your hands, like, it'll teach you when you go punch how to, like, activate your hands. Because you think about, like, you know, kind of, like, floating your hands like this. And then kind of do this, like, open, like, kind of bend your fingers and try to open them. He's like, you feel so much more tension. And he's like, I think that translates to a stronger grip. And I was like, fuck, like, could that be the case? He's like, we crane so much, but when do we think about snapping it open? Yeah, the antagonist and, 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 then, and then the other one is he's like, you know, like the Captain Crush, you know, like the, the grippers, like uh, the, uh, Bert Soren's dad fucking murders. Yeah. Uh, think about as those guys crush, they're also doing an eccentric load of it trying to open their fingers. So, I mean, there's something to training it, and people just don't talk about it. So the Kadai Killers, I think, was one of the, the big uh, elements I had for not only having a big punch, but once I punch, being able to really snap on. Mm-hmm. They, they're awful. 
Oh yeah, and they're not going to find it on Google. Like it only exists <laughs> in, through yeah, like, either Raphael or, or on or our Power Athlete, Power Athlete Train Heroic. And then the hilarious part is, we had to, uh, I had been misspelling it oh, for yeah. all these years, and then Roth came back and was like, "No, this is how we spelled it." Yeah, so I got wrote the whole history on it, and because I was curious, because we had done it at the CrossFit Football yeah. Seminar, I got it here. I might as well ask him. So we got the correct spelling and the history, and it was a doctor, Kadaya, yeah, doctor, and. It was for boxers because they're always in that clenched fist and then pounding their knuckles. And then this was the exact opposite. So it was an opportunity to have regeneration within their knuckles. And certainly I see the carryover for an offensive lineman and some other Well, you remember athletes. we did the Kadai Killers with uh, the guys with Spitz. Oh, yeah. We, we did a lot of cool shit that they never heard of that just you saw – within these offensive line athletes, just these fireworks going off that such simple, subtle directions and cues, like even on a, a med ball punch or the this, this step back the drop steps, just these guys were blown away. So they had had high level four years in his CAS, which we just talked about. Those guys at Penn State and Cal, those guys are professional. Mm-hmm. And then you had one little direction and cue from a higher level professional and they just it set them yeah. it changed how they moved subtle direction and cue yeah, yeah. completely changed how they Made, moved it connected the, but they were so, the yeah. great athletes and were able to yeah. make the correction like well that. that's always uh, you can always gauge an athlete by how quickly they so like if um if you're coaching a guy and this used to always happen with young guys if like a young guy was struggling and he asked for help and you like hey i want you to do this and he could like do it once and then you make a correction then he would do it and then never make that mistake again. You knew he was pretty switched on a good athlete. When people keep making the same mistake and they physically can't do something, you're like, um, the reason you're losing isn't because of your technique, it's because you don't have the, the wiring or the athleticism or the body awareness to be able to do what you need to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. So that was always a mark whenever they'd be like, oh, I think a young guy's got a chance. I'm like, yeah, he takes, he takes coaching really well and he doesn't remake the same mistakes we just coached. What I liked about every one of those kids, and, the, and I even told them, even though some of them didn't get to go to the combine and some of them didn't get drafted, I remember telling the Pat kid who started, you know, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens at center. Yeah. I remember I was like, dude, you can play this game. I was like, man, you just got to get in the right situation, have the right opportunity. Talked to him about his eight mile, and he got in the right situation. He was playing guard. They needed him to play center, had his eight mile moment, went on and was the starter for the Baltimore Ravens last year. So, I mean, but I, I told uh, Spitz, he's like, what do you think? I'm like, that kid can play. Like, he just um, – Was that bear bias, Cal bear bias? No, because no, <laughs> I'm – you know me. Like, I'm not going to pull any punches, especially, like, uh, the one thing I, I never want to do for, uh, for a young guy is give them false hope. Like, I, I know that sounds fucked, but I would rather, no like – way. That's – I think that's if, yeah, if, virtuous. If I can play the game and I tell you you can play the game, I know you can play the game. If, if you can't play the game – I'll tell you, I'd be like, uh, I think you might do okay. I just didn't see what I needed to see. And that Pat, and that Pat kid, I told him, like, man, you might not have got drafted. Um, you might not get to go to the combine. But, dude, you can play this game. And it just so happened that where did he go? He got to go play for Matsko. Oh, yeah. So. And then, yeah, Baltimore Center went down, man, towards the end of the season. And he was able to. No, it was in the middle of the season. It was in the middle? Yeah, it was early. Yeah, Slide like, right in. And, and came in and played and did great. And, you know, they obviously had the prolific uh, deal. So, uh, the other kid that I really liked was the kid from, um, was it from LSU? Tulane. Oh, from Tulane. Tulane. Uh, he was good. And then, um, so it was Pat, it was that kid. and then there was He's little, Packers right now. Yeah. And uh, all those kids, I told them, I was like, dude, I think um, 
if I, I hope something that I said mentored them. I don't know if it did or not, but just that idea of like understanding like, uh, you know, wins and losses are important, but how it looks and how you present yourself and how you move in space, like it's, it's a cognitive bias that these coaches have. Mm-hmm. Like they see somebody do something and they think, well, there's no way he would have been coached to do this. So then he must just have known this. And that's what I told him. Like, I'm going to give you the cheat codes. If you do this, they will think you know what the fuck you're doing. Which includes have big arms. Oh, yeah. So, Shit, no, man. No. If, if those kids came and trained with us in the offseason, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't give me a combine. Let me get you ready for the season. Like, that would be the fun part. Got to reach out. Well, it's that subtle direction and tension that John gave to them within their punch and their step and the little things that I feel we aim to do within our coaching narratives on train yeah, heroic. Because yeah. with Jack Street, it's cool. Like, I'd never done a bodybuilding program, but, but when we did 22 Jack Street within the movements, there was these subtle, like, things for you to internally cue within yourself. Mm-hmm. And you feel the difference in the movement, in Correct. how you're, well, you're recruiting. Yeah, but, but, I mean, that, that's the same deal. Like, uh, if I'm going to teach a kid to, like, vertical set, and he, as he steps back and he goes one, two the reason he's picking a one two is because the guy's in a tight position and I know I have a time it. And then I know the, all the positions, same with lifting weights. Like I go into exactly. it and say, okay, Hey, why am I doing X? You know, like I, I did uh, half field squats this week and um, you know, like why hit that? Like I, I just, you have to have like at least one, um, like one mission or like one point of performance for every movement like mm-hmm. i'm doing x because of this like i'm doing the re like there there has to be reason so whenever people ask people i'm like hey why, why'd you do that i don't know i'm like well that's not well we we don't provide them the opportunity to say i don't know within our training programs for the most part especially yeah. field strong jack street i i can test for sure that they can have that if they want to go there as an athlete the right. presentation and the why is there some it, guys gals don't they just want right. to show up and do Which it. is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. And it, you do reach a level when the program you're following as is, accommodation occurs. So if you take the mental attention to your execution, still following that same program, that's a great opportunity to level up in your results. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's it if you are an athlete out there that stalls out on the 20-inch arms or any program. Yeah. What are you thinking about or feeling during your execution? It's not just following the program. It's how you follow the program Mm -hmm. we did it ladies and gentlemen do you have questions we have answers you can reach us on the fresh and hot power athlete hotline line 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 is that what we're doing ing 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 uh the number 929-464-4640 that number again 929-464-4640 Call us up, leave a message, leave us some love. Uh, until next time. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time. Bye.